0: big thank you to your church officers for very graciously and kindly inviting me to join you this weekend. It's always a thrill to get an invitation to come to uh, Stapleford Baptist Church Um, and uh, the plan was for me to come and uh, share with you this morning but then I got this call to say we're turning it into a weekend And so, here I am. So, I don't know whether I'm here by default, really, John, but it's been a real joy and a great privilege to join with you once again. I do sincerely thank you for your uh, great welcome and invitation. We're going to go straight into this morning and thinking about... Now, we're going to see whether this works. No? Ah, okay. No, I'm going to go straight into the slide. There we are. We're going to think about a peaceable, a peaceable church. Now, um, I'm using the word peaceable very deliberately because I could have put up there, we are a peaceful church. But then it struck me that the most peaceful places on earth are usually cemeteries. (laughs) And cemeteries tend to be places where very little is going on. Nothing very much happens in a cemetery. Nothing exciting, nothing really unusual, nothing to disturb the quietness. The only thing that's really going on in a cemetery is the steady decaying. Of death. Now, all now, now, although some people are finding that amusing, I, I, because of my involvement with F.I.U.C. and here's a serious point, because of the, my involvement with F.I.U.C., I'm aware that there are churches like that. Nothing exciting ever happens nothing unusual ever happens, nothing different ever happens. It is a steady state of decay. Now people go along to churches like that and it is peaceful. They are never challenged. They are never really urged or encouraged. They just go along and everything's peaceful and they like it. But sadly, that's a sign more of death than life, most often I've found. And so I decided I would like to use the phrase we are a peaceable church because that strikes me to be something quite different. It seems to me to be peaceable is active and something that we get involved with. So what does it mean? What does this word peace mean? Peace originally, in the original language of the New Testament, is the word from which we get the young lady's name, Irene. Peace is Irene. It's Irene. And it means to be in harmony, to be friendly. It means calmness and amity among people. It's the opposite of hostility, and factions, and animosity, and disputing, and strife, and discord. This matter of peace and peacefulness comes up in 59 of the 66 verses of the Old Testament. And for those of you who were here yesterday, I've got it down that it's 26 books of the New Testament, would you believe? You will find peace. And so therefore it strikes me that peaceableness and peace ought to be one of the great characteristics of God's people and a tremendous mark of every local church. Local churches ought to be peacemaking, peace-loving, peaceable places. Their gatherings ought to be amicable and friendly and warm and inviting. Now I know from my little experiences of you and coming along amongst you that that is very much true of your church. So what I want to do this morning is to encourage you to grow as a peaceable church. And the way in which um, Stapleford Baptist Church can do that is by first of all concentrating on the priority of peace. The priority of peace. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome and it's right at the beginning of his letter in that early verses of the first chapter. He makes a priority there to all who are in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints and then he prays grace and peace to you. It's almost, it's almost at the top of his agenda and you notice it's grace and peace to you and I emphasized this a lot yesterday. I'll mention it again this morning. It's grace and peace to you all as a group, not to individuals. Grace and peace to you all as a group. And it comes from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, when we're talking about peace and peaceableness, we're not talking about the kind of thing that people look for in the world. This only comes from God. It comes from the Father. It comes through the Son. It's a great attribute of God. His Son is known as the Prince of Peace. The Father is known as the God of Peace. And it is through the work of the Holy Spirit, through his church, that he came and preached peace to you that are afar off, peace to those who are near, as Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. On resurrection morning, on that first Easter Sunday morning, When our Lord rose from the dead, later that day, the disciples were gathered together in the upper room and the doors were locked for fear. They were afraid that the authorities might come and arrest them. So they locked the doors. And Jesus came and appeared uh, to them and stood in their midst. And his first words were, Peace be to you. Peace be to you. Peace be to all of you disciples of mine. It's a peace that comes from God the Father, comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace. And when the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle John to write to the seven churches in Asia that we find in the opening chapters of the book of Revelation, he says to them, grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who he is to come. It's interesting to as well to, know, to, to note that the Apostle John didn't write that from sitting in his garden in a deck chair in a nice, comfortable afternoon. No, he wrote it from the penal colony of Patmos, where life was very precarious and very hard, and yet he can say, peace to you people in your churches, from him who is and who was and who is to come so the first point i want to make then here is this that peaceableness ought to be an outstanding mark of every local church and among all groups of true christians peaceableness ought to be a great trait of the local church Interesting that it was to a church that had a lot of division and discord and disputes amongst it that the Apostle Paul was encouraged to write to Christians in Corinth and say, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And then he says, as in all the congregations of the saints. This ought to be an outstanding mark among all local churches of God's true people. We mentioned this verse yesterday the kingdom of god is not a matter of eating and drinking but righteousness and peace and joy in the holy spirit and that needs to be a pervading ethos of stapleford baptist church you ought to be peaceable people and that to characterise along with love and with joy your gatherings together. But if we're going to be that kind of a church, then something else is necessary, and that is the possession of peace. The possession of peace. We're not going to make peace a priority in the life of our church if we don't actually possess it. How do we possess this peace? We've just been saying it comes from God, and as the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome, this is how we start with it. It's since we have been justified through faith that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. A peaceable church starts with the individual, it starts with each member each person who is part of this church, of having come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and being given and made at peace with God through the Saviour himself. we being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It starts and can only start by peace with God. And that peace with God thrums through the gift and sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through the forgiveness of our sins. Through being reconciled to God. Through being made one with the Lord. That's how we receive this wonderful peace of God. As Paul wrote to the Colossians. It's peace through his blood shed on the cross. It's peace through being cleansed from our sins. It's peace through being made right with Almighty God. And that kind of peace results in peace of mind. Isaiah could say, the Lord God will keep in perfect peace those whose mind is steadfast. Why? Because he trusts in you. The person who relies on the Lord who knows the sovereign God is in control, the person who knows that God has made peace with them and they are at peace with him for time and eternity, they can look up to the Lord and they can say, it is well with my soul. Whatever troubles of life, whatever hardships come, and they do, as Aaron has just reminded us, the fact of the matter is we can say, when all said and done, I know what it is to have peace like a river. It is well with my soul. The Lord Jesus Christ has made me at peace with my God, my judge, my creator. As the Apostle Paul could write to the Christians in Philippi and say, the peace of God transcends all understanding and will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's interesting, isn't it? That as our nation has become more godless, there seems to be a much bigger emphasis on um, mental illness. People losing peace of mind. because people don't know this amazing and wonderful Saviour who gives us peace with God. Now, don't misunderstand me. I am not saying that every person who suffers uh, from a, a mental illness is therefore unsaved or anything, mental illness can strike anybody, anywhere, anytime. We can become mentally ill. The point I'm trying to make, and I'm not making it very well, I confess, is that a disturbed mind is something that you're going to see more and more of in in an increasingly godless society. I'm simply trying to get that point across. Because the peace of God, it transcends all understanding. And it keeps the heart at peace. And the mind at peace. So whenever we're we're full of anxiety about our family, about our job, about our circumstances, our health. And of course we have these anxieties. What do we do? We know where to take them. Cast your cares and your anxieties on him. Because he cares for you. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing to be able to do. And he will keep your heart and minds in the peace of God when there's nothing but turmoil all around you. So, I suggest that Stapleford Baptist Church needs to make peace a priority and make sure That you are in possession of it. I think this is why it's a good thing for a local church to have a formal membership. I don't know whether you have a formal membership. You do. The, The advantage of that is that for somebody to become a member of the local church they usually have to be able to give a credible profession of faith in the lord jesus christ and i presume that the elders would interview someone and say can you tell us how you were saved how did you come to have peace with god because if you're admitting people into the membership who don't have peace with god then you won't give peace in your church because it has to start with people who are at peace with god and then they bring that peace with them into the life of the local church i can tell you from my observations through FIEC that there are often been churches destroyed through admitting members who do not have peace with God they are not saved people and the church is disturbed and can even be destroyed now what happens this morning then if there's someone in this congregation you may even be a member of the church or you may be a regular attender and you're saying but Mike I haven't yet found peace with God should I stop coming no don't don't stop coming don't suddenly rush your resignation in to the elders or anything like that what you need to do is get peace with God turn to the Lord Jesus Christ trust in him go to the cross Ask him for the forgiveness of your sins. Make sure you've got peace with God. And keep coming. So dear friends, make peace a priority. Make sure you've got it. Make sure you possess it. But then, even though if all of you know what it is to have peace with God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ... It doesn't guarantee you a peaceable church. And that's why the Apostle Paul draws our attention to the fact that we have to have the pursuit of peace. We have to pursue peace. Here it is, for example. Paul wrote to Timothy. Timothy was in charge of the church in Ephesus. Then he says to Timothy, pursue righteousness and faith and love and, peace, and notice the next bit. Along with those who call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. In other words, he's saying together you have to pursue peace as a group of God's people. You do this together. Pursue peaceableness with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. The Apostle Paul could write to the church at Ephesus and say, live a life worthy of the calling you have received, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Notice, he didn't say produce the unity. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us the unity that we find in Christ. But then our job as his people is to then Keep it, keep it alive, keep it it as a priority in our church through the bond of peace. It's an indispensable part of the corporate life of the local church. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples, and the disciples often fell out with one another. There was often rivalry among them and disputes and so on. And what did he say to them? He said, be at peace with each other. Be at peace with each other. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, live in peace with each other. To the church of Colossae, let the peace of Christ be rule in your hearts as a group since as members of one another you were called to peace this is a whole body function something every member of the church needs to be engaged in pursuing peaceableness among the people of god Let me put it like this, if you're a Christian and a member of this church and you're failing to make peace a priority and you're not pursuing this peace, then you are failing in your Christian obedience. This is a matter of obedience. The Lord has called us and commanded us to pursue peace, to let the peace of Christ rule amongst us. To live in peace with each other. It's a matter of obedience. Not just a matter that it's nice and church will be nice if we do this. We must do it if we're going to follow in the footsteps of the Saviour. We can't live a life worthy of the Lord if we are not pursuing peaceableness in the life of the church. And if we have a church where there's a great measure of peaceableness, we need to continue to pursue it in order to grow it more and more. Because the devil will always do what he can to disturb the peacefulness of the local church, the peaceableness of the local church. He will do what he can to set one brother and sister against another and cause all kinds of trouble and disputes. He tries to do it among the leadership. You leaders have got to watch it because the devil will do his best to disturb the peaceableness that you find in your officers' meetings and so on and so forth. It happens time and time again and it can happen over silly things. When I was a lad, I was brought up in a chapel. All of you will be amazed to find that was in Birmingham. (laughs) I was brought up in a chapel in Birmingham and I can remember it now. As clear as it was yesterday, we'd had the communion service. And then one elder stood up from one side and one elder stood up from the other. And they started to argue across the communion table about whether the church should have gas or electric heating. <laughs> now you laugh, but it split the church. It actually ruined the church I was brought up in over gas and electricity. We don't have that problem today because we can't afford either, so it doesn't (laughs) matter. But there you are, you see. We've got to be careful, we've got to watch it. That's why the scripture says, pursue peace among yourselves. It's very, very important. So we not only do we have to make peace a priority, we have to make sure we possess peace, we have to make sure we we pursue peace, but then in the next place, we need to practice it as well. The practice of peace. Do you know that the practice of peaceableness among the people of God is one of the great outstanding marks of being a godly person? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount... Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. He's saying, Blessed are the peace practisers. The people who work at peaceableness. For they are the people who will be called the sons and the daughters, the children of God. Why does he say that? He says, because you see, peaceableness is the family trait. God is the peacemaking God. Jesus is the peacemaking saviour. And if you're going to be one of his children, then you ought to be a peacemaking child of God. It's the family traits. It's what's expected of you. Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter five and says, this amazing statement, "Be imitators of God." The Greek word is "mimic God. Show God, show God to the people. Show what He's like. How are you going to do that? By being a peacemaker. Because that's what God is, that's what God does. That's what Christ came for, to make peace by shedding his blood. So if you and I are going to be known as the children of God... We've got to put this into practice. We've got to be peacemakers in a practical way. And that's not only within the life of the local church. It's essential there, but it's important and essential outside as well. Paul writes the Christians in Rome says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. With everyone. Be known, if you're a Christian, be known as being a peacemaker out there in the world as well as among the people of God. Again, the writer to the Hebrew says, make every effort, every effort, to live in peace with all men, all people. Let me put it like this. I think there's something very wrong if we profess to be a Christian and we actually find delight in stirring it up. Whether that's in the boardroom in the canteen, on the factory floor, in the office, or in the church and in the church meeting, there's something wrong with a Christian who gets a kick out of stirring it up. There's something wrong with a Christian who finds some excitement in putting the cat among the pigeons. And if we start to feel like that, if we find that kind of attitude growing in our hearts and minds, we need to deal with it immediately. We need to confess it to the Lord. We need to get it cleansed. We need to put it to death. Don't foster it. It's not of God. As I mentioned, Corinthians, where they had a lot of division and difficulties and dispute. Paul again says, God has called us to live in peace. And he's writing there to them as a local church. God has called us to live in peace what Christ came and died for he himself is our peace who made both the Jews and the Gentiles one people he destroyed the 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 dividing barrier the wall of hostility and his purpose being to create in himself one new man out of two thus making peace and in one body reconciling them to himself to God through the cross When we come to the cross to get peace with God, we make peace with our neighbour, who's also at the foot of the cross, seeking peace with God. There's absolutely no excuse for a local church to be at civil war. No excuse whatsoever. And I've known on one or two rare occasions churches have been in a state of civil war. Very sad. Very sad. We always need to be striving to grow as peaceable members of the local church. And as I said yesterday about being a loving church and a joyful church, I'm convinced that being a peaceable church is going to become more and more important as our society becomes more godless, if it does as it looks as if it's going to at the moment. It's going to be harder for peace of mind and peace of heart, for people to find that out there. Their conflict, I'm convinced, as as the world becomes more godless, conflicts will increase, anxiety will deepen. And people will look for a place and a people where they can come and find peace and warmth and harmony and happiness and a lack of anxiety and care. I think as the world becomes more godless, Christians and local churches will have the opportunity to, de- to demonstrate more and more obviously what peace with God looks like and what the peace of God with one another looks like. Our churches need to become more and more a refuge for troubled, fearful, anxious souls who want to escape the warring factions that there are, sometimes in families, sometimes in their offices, the turmoil that there is in the world around them. For people like that to come into a peaceable church would be a wonderful experience for them. So make sure Stapleford Baptist Church, uh, aiming to be of one mind, To live in peace and the God of love and peace will be with you. Let me leave you with this verse. All of you that are members of this church, aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal, says Paul. Listen to the word of God, in other words. Be of one mind, live in peace. And the love of God will be with you. So I make every effort, dear brothers and sisters, to be a loving church, increasingly so, a joyful church, increasingly so, and a peaceable church.